I'm Chad Rutherman's. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket. I am Instant Messaging. Today, we're going to be talking about Hypnospace Outlaw, which was a game developed by Tendershoot, uh, published by No More Robots, and was released in 2019 on Windows, Mac OS, Linux, PS4, Xbox One, and the Switch, uh, disqualifying it once again. <laughs> From our perfect for the Switch category. Yep. Uh, it We've really just gotten to that point where, like, fucking everything is on the Switch now. Yeah, especially seemingly things that we don't think would ever work on the Switch. Yeah, because uh, to interact with this game, you have to type things in with a keyboard. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how it really works on, like, PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Yeah. I know you can, I think connect a keyboard to the switch that you can i actually we talked about um telling lies most recently uh because it is mystery may and mm, i always forget course. to mention it up top i always say it at the end uh it's like almost like the theme barely matters uh <laughs> everything's made up and the themes don't matter exactly uh and when i played telling lies on the switch i did plug like a, a mechanical keyboard in and just like use that. Uh, it still brought up the switch keyboard thing because oh, I think weird. it just has to. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's probably how it would work on here. And I want to say that the problem, uh, and this seems like a good enough place as any to jump in. The problem with doing that in telling lies is the same problem as the problem of, of playing this game on a switch or a PS4 or whatever. And that is, this, like Telling Lies, is a desktop simulation game, and it is arguably the most immersive one that I've ever played. Yeah, it, it really has that extra bit of um, polish, I guess, or like this, like ch these cherries on top, mm -hmm. where it, it really emulates the feeling of that, like, Web 1.0, uh style of like old websites but it also has things like the virtual pets mm -hmm. and like the music player and like stuff that makes it feel like myspace and like just like really old uh computer interfaces and not just the desktop or not just the web browser like it really goes all out with it yeah if you were the kind of person who grew up uh and i feel like this is like to me, this feels like a specific demographic, but I could be wrong. I felt like when I was a kid, the only people I knew who were doing the same shit that I was doing are people that I knew from the internet, which makes this, like, it's wild to know just how big this this subsection of people are. But if you're around my age and you grew up, like, with a library of Winamp skins and you had hamster dance bookmarked and organized into folders uh, in your favorites list on your web browser, then this game should speak directly to the child version of you in a way that is, like, unsettling and weird. Uh, I'm not one of those people. Uh, we had a shitty computer growing up, <laughs> and I never liked dealing with dial-up. So I, I was not one of those kids who really dove in mm -hmm. to the internet early yeah that's and uh there's not a huge age difference between us but when, as far as technology goes like a couple years really can make a difference yeah and i think that the fact that we probably got computers at around the same time mm -hmm. and i was like just old enough to like be sort of like capable of, of figuring stuff out and doing things on it yeah and my parents are totally the types that wouldn't have let us have a lot of unsupervised time on the computer as well mm -hmm. which i'm sure contributed yeah so yeah th this is it's an interesting time period to make a game out of mm -hmm. and to me it was just it tickled me to death like how nostalgic it made me in a way that i wasn't expecting i guess mm -hmm. uh the developer who made this game uh, or, like, the, the primary guy. is a guy named Jay Tholen. Um, he is also the developer, and Tendershoot being his sort of, like, online... It's his developer name, but it could be, like, a, a pseudonym, essentially, because it really just represents him more than anything else. Uh -huh. uh, is the guy who made the game Dropsy, 
uh, which is a point-and-click adventure about a clown uh, who does lots of nice, good things, but people are scared of him because he looks like a weird clown. Um, and it's a pretty cool game, and and it was made predominantly by just him. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you can see sort of like a... Uh, an aesthetic through line there's a lot of like sort of vapor wavy uh exciting scary colors uh in both games in a way that is like i don't know i like dropsy didn't hit me the right way uh like i played the game i liked it but i didn't love it whereas this game has an aesthetic sensibility that is just awful and is my favorite thing in the whole uh, world like it, it's amazing yeah it it works here I, I don't know that other game never heard of it never oh, seen okay. it before <laughs> um but uh it works here because as i uh mentioned initially it's emulating that old website uh aesthetic mm-hmm. where it was really hard to make anything that looked any good and wasn't just like someone vomited on the screen uh and this it it really captures that feeling um in a nostalgic way like it 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 puts like a nice wrapper around it all and it like it, it organizes things into like different uh categories like little chat uh room kind of breakdowns or at least that's how i thought of it mm-hmm. um and i don't it just really works like it, it met it fits on theme really well yeah yeah like the i guess it'd be like a web forum layout yeah that's that's the word for it but like in a in kind of an interesting different way it's like if you mashed and this could just be even a few years or like a level of advancement ahead of where i was when i was a kid there may have been things more like this um but like to me this feels like if you took myspace and organized it in a in a in a, a forum way where everyone just posted their personal pages like they were like threads right and it's it's it is like to me that feels strange but this kind of thing probably did exist and i just didn't interact with it right uh but yeah it's weird because you go to each person's page um and it's it's like designed using the same tool set and attempting to capture each character's personality. And that's where the aesthetic sort of comes from, because a lot of the characters are young kids or very old people, and that is the that guides their level of like design ethos and like what the, is going to be included on the page, uh, how much flashing, nauseating <laughs> graphics. Right. If the cursor will be different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. God. Uh, like, like ms paint like graffiti style writing <laughs> flashing i'm gonna i'm gonna say this phrase a lot in uh in co- in different contexts but man fuck the cool punk page <laughs> and it's like the snowflake cursor that made it impossible to read anything mm-hmm. just very distracting and hard to hard to see just like the old internet yeah <laughs> and the new internet but for totally different reasons <laughs> Uh, yeah. So where do we, I think the thing that I want to jump into is, is sort of that aesthetic decision to make everything sort of represent the characters shows how much this game focuses on the characters. It is, it is a very, it's a weirdly personal game given it's like design. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. And like learning how um to identify people like that each different person has like a number associated with them uh on the server and stuff is a lot of like figuring that stuff out and unspooling that mm-hmm. is a lot of like the meat of the game and like figuring out how to search people that you um you want to find and like how to like cross reference them to like other things like their music profile it's like a big thing later on right can't remember what it's called but uh yeah and i thought that was really cool yeah i i think um when you're looking at this game like if you gave somebody the elevator pitch for the game it would be like a mystery solving desktop simulation game where the puzzles it, it consist of you finding infringing content on the internet. Mm-hmm. But I think that what that betrays is the is how small 
this internet is. Yeah, and also, yeah, the internet is like a like a small, uh, like almost like closed beta kind of thing, like mm-hmm. where it's got like a small user base. Yeah, like I don't know exactly how many characters are like active in it, but like it's probably less than twenty. Mm-hmm. that you could actually go and find and get a name for. Uh, and that's really, to me, that is that is sort of what makes it work, is that it is very, it, the low number of characters that you have to care about really, like, expands the amount that they can build out each one of them. Yeah. It's a manageable amount of content, but it feels as endless as an actual web browser sometimes when you're playing it oh yeah yeah, that's balance i think really makes it work yeah i think uh in the end i had like about three and a half hours of playtime more than you did Mm -hmm. uh and i guarantee you the reason for that is because i spent a lot of time just like sequentially going to every page and just reading all the content on Mm -hmm. it like there was something really majestic about it to me and i just wanted to to get a lot of it yeah it it started out that way for me but like kind of became tedious as it went Mm -hmm. um because I, i think this game really feels like a game that was made for people who like args or alternate reality games um because and i expressed on a different episode i don't remember which one uh that i've always been really fascinated by those and but i like lacked the skills to participate in them and this game kind of gave me an accessible version of that like like uh that kind of interaction and like searching through the internet to find clues for things Mm -hmm. but it did confirm my suspicions because it kind of ramped up in difficulty to where i found it really hard and a bit unpalatable as it went on um i don't know if i want to jump into that right now i think that aesthetically you are a million percent spot on like the introduction of the of the all-seeing eye yeah and like once you get start to get a grasp of like identifiers like finding people through their their id numbers Mm -hmm. um and just like that kind of learning like the connections that you have to make is feels like an arg because like it's things that are obviously planted there for in order to be suspicious so that you can then connect them to stuff later the thing that like cemented it for me and thinking it that way was when you get to like the adventure maze oh yeah oh god what is that place the freelance the freelance yeah yeah uh and I honestly, that was like my least favorite part of the game mm. was the freelance. I liked actually solving the puzzle in the freelance where you watch the video. Right. Uh, and it gave you clues. <laughs> Fucking yeah. Star Wars scrolling. Font. Yeah. That, that just felt like the thing that felt like it could pop up in a real ARG. Mm-hmm. Like someone just post that on a Reddit page or like a Twitter thread or something for people to find. Right. Uh yeah, and it is kind of like, this would be a great, like, ARG 101, because it is basically like if you took the internet and condensed it down to just the relevant parts with some red herrings. Yeah. So that you could just, like, like this is basically what you're going to be doing, except instead of sifting through 10 results, you'll be sifting through 10 yeah. million. You don't so. have to go into the source code of anything. <laughs> I was, God, I was expecting it, though. Yeah. Like, from the jump, I was like, I'm gonna, there's gonna be, like, a console command where I, like, just, like, check the source of the web page and find, like, the image name of something. Yeah, the closest thing to that is when you give yourself infinite money. With oh, the, with uh, the dream tools? Yeah. I never actually got the dream tools. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I uh, was using a walkthrough at that point. <laughs> I'll come clean, so. Uh, okay, I want to, I actually do want to shout out. Uh, next time on No Clip Pocket, uh, we're going to be talking about Grim Fandango um, on the main podcast as our, our Mystery May finale, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Grim Fandango is one of those games, is an older adventure game, obviously, to so take with a grain of salt. Like, when you're playing an old adventure game from the 90s, uh, you will end up, you can end up, I'm going to say will, because I'm assuming most people are as dumb as I am, but uh-huh. that could be wrong, probably need to look something up 
And when you look something up in Grim Fandango, it tends to snowball where you're like, okay, so that didn't make any sense and I couldn't follow the logic. But now that I know how to do it, I can move on. Right. And then you get to the next step and you're like, this is just as confusing. And because I skipped steps using the walkthrough to get here, I now am missing critical information in order to proceed any further. Mm -hmm. So you go back to the walkthrough and like maybe there are cutoff points where you can stop and go back to trying to puzzle it out yourself. But it has sort of a negative feedback loop in that sense. I found this game, because I used to walk through for, depending on how you count it, I, uh-huh. I would say three times you could argue four because one of them was like a two-step pu- process mm-hmm. that I didn't know what the fuck was going on for any of it. I thought that this game was not nearly as hard as pretty much any point-and-click adventure game that I've played. And it didn't have the feedback loop. For me, it was like if you found a solution online for something, you could then just close that page and continue on your way without too much difficulty. But it also could be just the nature of the things that I use the walkthrough for. Mm. Yeah, I found that that was the case for me. Like, once I started using the walkthrough, I basically couldn't stop. Right. Uh, I got about, like, two-thirds ish through were you using a pringles branded walkthrough no i don't think so <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> one, i mean because once you pop oh <laughs> uh, once you pop that's great that, yeah that's great <laughs> i was using a prongles branded uh walkthrough um but um shout outs to prongles yeah the real man's chip <laughs> What was I even fucking saying? Thanks <laughs> for derailing saying... me so hard, Chad. <laughs> that once you used to walk through, you found oh, that right, it, right. you did create yeah, that feedback loop. It, it might have just been because this game like engaged you so much, like thematically and aesthetically and all that, that you were reading everything. Mm. Probably helped you out. But like, yeah, for me, I, I did run into that kind of adventure game uh, puzzle stop, mm-hmm. like wall. Where once, yeah, once I couldn't figure something out, it felt like almost impossible to figure out anything else. <laughs> uh, I mean, and that's fair. Like like I said, it could have just yeah. been sort of coincidence. Yeah. I found this to be harder than, I think, any point-and-click adventure game I've ever played. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I guess that's kind of like... That is the 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 in, in, in inevitable... <laughs> I kept wanting to say other words there. The inimitable thing about adventure games, Mm -hmm. uh, which I do classify this as, even though it is, like, baked into a thousand different other things. Right. Uh, The thing about adventure games is that there are going to be things that you just don't get because you weren't on the same page as the person making it. Right. Uh, There are a lot of adventure game puzzles that, unless you are an insane person there's no logic between what you're supposed to do uh and i think i was either just on the same page as the developer this time around or am insane so one of the things is 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 more true here yeah i was kind of thinking of it like um metroidvanias were for me when i like i really they really didn't click with me and Mm -hmm. i played a few before they started to and I kind of feel like this game would be similar if there were more games like this. <laughs> like, I'd like to play more stuff like this, and I think I would, like, get it better and enjoy it more. Yeah. Well, as a comparison point, because we mentioned Telling Lies earlier because it's recent and it's something that we can tell people, hey, go check that out. But uh, last year, or potentially the year before, we talked about uh, Simulacra which right. I, I think is actually the closest comparison to this game as far as what its goals were. Yeah. And you were searching through a phone. Yeah. It was a phone as opposed to the hypnospace headset. Yeah. Right. Um, but the, the experience of playing the games is similar in that you're sort of like, you're learning about individuals and combing through the information that you have available to you in order to solve the puzzles. And neither of us thought that Simulacra was a difficult game to play. No. So what is what is it, do we think, that the different... Like, what, what was the goal? Because the, the goal of Simulacra 
was to be a horror story, essentially. Right. What's the goal of Hypnos Base Outlaw? Um, I think to me it came off as a nostalgic like emulation of early internet. Like I think there's a lot of people who are really fascinated with that and could spend a lot of time on the Wayback <laughs> Machine. Um and it also I think it kind of looks at like toxicity on the internet um through like maybe a bit more of a modern lens, but I'm sure existed back then as well. And I don't know, those are the two biggest things. Like it's a lot more complex than that, but if I had to boil it down. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking also. And I think that's why it I think that's why it makes sense for this game to be a little bit more difficult because I think the game wants you to spend more time on individual things than Simulacra or even games like Her Story. Yeah, do. and I think that's why it's set in like a simulated like web browser, right? Cuz that feels like a endless possibility split. <laughs> space intimidating amount of stuff to search through oh yeah where it is opposed to like a phone in simulacra's case like that's much more manageable in my mind like i have to mm-hmm. search through this person's phone then i had to search through the whole internet <laughs> so yeah it's like a difference in feel there yeah the, the it, it is it's it's really amusing because the the difficulty of the puzzles in this game come from such a different place than the difficulty of puzzles in in other adventure games because it isn't so much you do actually have an inventory in this game it's not really like laid out that way but you can download programs to use so the all-seeing eye which i already mentioned um is is one of the things that i had to use a walkthrough to find because i was very confused by several different things yeah Um, understandable yeah (laughs) um but then, like, you also have, there's a game called Janitor that you can use to make money. If you just, like, search make hypno coin <laughs> on the web browser, it's one of the things that comes up. And it feels like a scam, but it is, like, sort of the in-game way of making money if you don't have the dream tools. Yeah, I thought, just as a side note, that was one of the things that this emulated really well about the old internet, is everything felt like a scam. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, and you just had no idea what might give you a virus or not. Absolutely no fucking joke. I this game triggered my anxiety about just like shitty, shady internet stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want to get a fake virus in a video game. Like it, I had a desire not to. And like I remember stumbling upon the uh, there's like a a page that was um, the scam watch page uh-huh it's on uh the i forget the name of the board but like the the good old times folks page right and uh there was a a, a thing on there about this guy's page has programs that could be viruses uh it was the terry's general store where he just has like stickers and backgrounds and stuff mm-hmm. and i had downloaded stickers from his page just as a gag to see like what the fuck everything was about right. and i was like oh no do i have a vi-? it doesn't fucking matter <laughs> <laughs> there's literally an antivirus software in the game where you click one button and the virus goes away right <laughs> But I was like, oh, geez, I didn't even know. I should scan those. What am I talking about? (laughs) You can't scan the files. That's not functionality. It was so, it was insane. Like, and I I fucking love that. Like, I love that this game was able to do that. Uh, As much as I hate to just, like, throw the words, like, atmosphere and immersion out without backing it up, that's my backup right there. Like, if you Mm -hmm. need proof that this game is immersive, I was concerned for my fictional headband. <laughs> now, yeah, it, it does uh, do a surprisingly good job of emulating an old computer. So if you pl- if you use a computer in, like, the m- mid to late 90s, mm-hmm. like, yeah, this will suck you in like that. It is, the viruses are actually even something that I, I loved in this game because there was sort of a... Nowadays, like if you if you download malicious software, it's gonna like steal your identity or it's gonna be ransomware that takes over your computer. Mm-hmm. And 
obviously people should be safe and take the steps necessary even when dealing with old viruses but when you're when you're dealing with when you look at viruses in the 90s there was sort of this like rebellious playfulness to them uh one of the viruses showmanship yeah there was like a it was like a weird counterculture where like one of the first viruses you can get in the game is called wave hello that just fucks with your visual settings and like those were viruses that you could get people just put them out as pranks uh i don't know i mean there were definitely ones that could still make the the hacker money right but like a lot of the time they'd be like don't open this email attachment or your start menu will open from the top of the screen instead of the bottom for a while <laughs> like it's weird uh and i love the, the like dedication to that even having the little like underground hacker group right it's great i love it yeah no yeah definitely one of the best things about the game is like there's so many layers like that that go towards making it feel authentic to what mm-hmm. it's going for. Like, I feel like a lot of similar games, like something like I don't want to dunk on Simulacra or something, but I feel like when we talked about that game, we felt like it stopped short of like fully realizing its concept. And this doesn't have that problem. Like, it really feels like they went all out with, uh, realizing their fictional hypnospace mm-hmm. web browser thing. That's something that we haven't mentioned at all yet is the concept of this game while it like feels and plays and even sounds like early internet like pages and and visually and everything. The setting of the game is technically speaking in hypnospace which is internet that you access while asleep. Right. And it's key to sort of like the introduction of the game and to the, like the conclusion, the twist at the ending doesn't really work if it is not. Mm -hmm. But everything in between seems to sort of like, you don't think about that really when you're playing for the most part. Right. It but, makes no difference to you. Exactly. It's a very, like, cool concept that just, like, is used to get you in and kind of explain why the game is mostly populated by 20 people. <laughs> right. It's like, because who's, who's really going to be buying a headset to use the internet while they're asleep? Mm-hmm. These 20 people. And children. Those hip teens. Yeah. Teentopia. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing we didn't mention uh, while we were talking about how each person's page feels like personal and everything is that everyone's got music on their page. Like, every single page pretty much has music on it. And it was something I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. I could imagine... Um, like, a lot of games like this would probably opt to have, like, no music because they're going for, like, the simulation of a desktop and they want there to be, like, keyboard clicking, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. for it to feel like you're alone in your room or whatever. But I loved that this gave each page yet even more personality by having songs on them. And that I mentioned MySpace earlier, but, like, it really made it feel like an old, uh, like, social media profile thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my, you can see sort of, like... Because this is Web 1.0 as viewed through the lens of somebody who's lived through Web 2.0 as well. Mm-hmm. And that was like in the, the that is like my closest connection between these pages is is MySpace and the amount that it does feel like that where people were like the glitter text. Yep. And <laughs> just put like a countdown like people they just have random crap they got from some website. Yep. Like, pimp your MySpace page. Exactly. Sort of thing, yeah. My favorite page, I think, in the whole game is the one that was the eight-year-old kid's page of dinosaurs. Hmm. And he had a, he had a list of... Because, like, the way that the, like, default layout for pages is, is it's, like, introduction text and then, like, body text on the right. And then there's, like, a left uh, sidebar that has links on it. Uh and all of the links didn't work, but they were just names of dinosaurs. <laughs> like, they didn't link anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's just like, this game cracked me up on a lot of occasions, but that was the first one where I was like, I just fucking love this <laughs> shit. Yeah, I, um, 
in one of the first the first case that you get given is to remove the uh images of gooper i think is his name yeah the, gumshoe gooper the, yeah there you go and like i opened a picture of him that they send to you and then had it open on the desktop the whole game because mm-hmm. i didn't like realize that it was like a thing i <laughs> could close because it doesn't have like an x or anything on it right so i just sat there the whole time when i realized that i could move and close it i just sort of like shrunk it a little bit and put it in the corner nice and it was i also had that picture of goober up the whole time uh i do want to i want to go i want to spin into like nine different things here but like um the the music does kick ass yeah. i think is kind of an important part of of why this game wants to have music playing all the time is because they put just so much effort into making the music a big part of like people's interactions with each other and all of the the like subcultures that form are really intrinsic to how the game plays uh and a lot of the the music is also just very well written and good like a lot of it is jokes but like I'm a big, I'm a, I apparently am a big flip flop head. There you go. And, uh, and I think that, uh, was it dirt, dirt wave, dirt haze? I wrote this down. Yeah, something haze. Yeah, dirt haze. Dirt haze is amazing. Uh, (laughs) and I love it. Yeah, a lot of it is like that kind of early internet, like, uh, like MIDI kind of stuff. So I think that's why they're able to like incorporate so much music. Well, in addition to that, like, um, so I I did a little bit of reading about this after I played it. I didn't go deep into it, but it, within the game files, there's actually there's a page builder uh, that you can access just on your PC and make a page, uh, and there's also a sequencer so that you can actually make music using the things that the game used to create the original Mm. music for it but then in addition two of the contributing artists uh red strike uh which is like the designated flip-flop right artist uh is just a real like rap group and uh just donated their music to the cause of this game Mm. Uh, or you know we're paid i actually don't know uh Uh, and Hot Dad, who is the guy who plays um, the Chowder Man, right? Uh, AKA fifteen other things uh, in this game are are like pre existing artists, and there were like a bunch more that that contracted, but like some of them were mu- some of it is music that already exists, and then some of it is music that they created for the game, and it blends, and the way that they compress the audio makes it all sound so like uniform right that you could have like you play you me two tracks yeah, yeah i would ha- i would have never idea uh but it's just real good i like it a lot you want to talk about the story i do do you want to talk about other things first <laughs> you look lost i'm a little lost. You're lost on the internet i i felt like it had like just the right kind of story or like just the right like implementation of its story where it didn't get too bogged down in it. Like we've compared it to Simulacra and I feel like another one of the differences between these is that's way more like about its story. Mm -hmm. It's about like progressing through a narrative and this feels more open and exploratory. Like you get like just enough uh, of a thread to pull you through and then it, takes on a bit more weight as it goes mm-hmm. uh and I, I just thought it was well done yeah the the story itself is very like simple like your three act structure is sort of just like introduction to hypnospace and what being an enforcer means you do some like menial tasks or whatever and nothing really big comes of it you you start under the impression that you're part of like a very large organization um but you really aren't. It's it's just like you and a couple of other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have like the introduction of the more sinister stuff. Like you realize that people are kind of just doing like the owner of the company doesn't really care about 
what you're doing he doesn't care about the content moderation so much right uh he has his own in like the two main owners uh dylan and adrian merchant are like a creative guy who hates the fact that he has to run the company and the guy who wants to run the company but doesn't know shit about the technology uh and then you sort of start getting into the deeper stuff and realizing that there's a lot there are a lot of bad actors or a lot of neutral actors who are just not using it as it's intended. Right. And then your third act is just like <laughs> this thing has negative health consequences. It was tried to be covered up and then people died. died. Yeah. Yeah. So that is as far as stories go, like beat for beat isn't it isn't complicated. No. And so you were right. The exploratory element of like really learning about the characters is where the narrative is at its strength. Yeah. It just felt like the right call. But it is mystery May, and that does count as a mystery. Well, I, it, it was like filling out, <laughs> figuring out that like Dylan is the one who was responsible for the uh, the deaths that mm. happened. Like that's the Y2K a twist. Mind crash. Yeah, the, yeah, the the mind crash virus. Uh, it was a twist, right? Mm-hmm. He was like uh, just somebody that you're working for, and he ends up being the villain. Like there's the the red herring, or maybe not red herring, but like the hacker yeah. from the first part of the game. Tim. I, Tim, yeah. I couldn't remember <laughs> if that was also Dylan or not. But uh, yeah, and you, that's the antagonistic force early, and then mm-hmm. it shifts. So there's definitely a twist. Yeah. It's a mystery. Oh, yeah. I loved the... Um fucking the like finding him out through his id mm-hmm. well the no not the because that's the part that i thought was hard yeah it, it was <laughs> was getting into wrong. the f list and uh and finding uh dylan's like music sharing to 69 tune injector whatever the fuck his weird screen name was uh-huh uh and of course the fact that his id his headband id number is boobs it's eight zero zero eight five is just a that's a golden god of a joke mm-hmm. right there uh <laughs> but uh no in the first act uh the fucking timageddon uh temple of the gaping orifice or whatever he called it uh-huh. uh that was so good because it does it makes you that's what made me in the first place think about simulacra i was like this is going to be some like hyper edgy weird like metaphysical virus thing yeah and when it turns out that it was a kid playing a joke one really fucking emphasizes how gullible people on early internet were oh yeah because it was just new technology and the fact that i fell for it because i was like in there right uh doing my thing uh was amazing and then it turning out to be tim and making him like an interesting viable character of his own uh just it just kept getting better for me. Like mm-hmm. I thought that it was it started strong and just got stronger. Yeah, it it has that nice uh, kind of it 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 makes you it takes you down like one path towards the beginning where you do kind of feel like the hypnospace itself is going to be some kind of like sentient AI <laughs> being or some th- sh- shit like that. And but then like figuring out what's actually the case is mm-hmm. what ends up being more interesting. Oh yeah, uh, them like they set up so much that makes you think that, and that's that's so good. Yeah. The intro video, the fact that hippie, the the fucking text to speech, ah uh, oh, the robot robot head, head just like is is just it is it's like a terminator skull like mm-hmm. it's horrible uh all of that just like screams sinister activity but it really is a lot more innocent in the end it's just like there was the but then people died it becomes less innocent <laughs> yes much like the real internet yeah people die from using it <laughs> the end uh, there. I feel like it would be, it would be difficult to cover all the things that I want to talk about within a pocket episode. Mm-hmm. So I just want to shout out a couple of things that I loved about this game that I wanted to sort of like highlight. Um, you as an enforcer, 
uh, are tasked with sort of removing things. Uh, and given in the middle of the game, you discover that Dylan himself is like the one responsible for the copyright claims uh, and is a member, so to speak, of the like uh, of, of Minx, the like collective uh, that's in the game kind of working almost against hypnosis base himself mm-hmm. uh there it is great to me that you can just save all of the stuff that you're supposed to take down and use mm-hmm. and then take it down and just sort of like reap the benefits of the illegal activity uh it feels very cop-like and also just like i loved because i i downloaded and installed the accelerator program uh, and just had it run the rest of the game. And like every like five pages, it pops up with a pop up that's like, makes a big lightning bolt noise and asks you to donate. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is great. Like that's, you know, that's big WinRAR energy. Uh, and you can just keep deleting or do, keep closing the window or whatever. And it's annoying. And I hated seeing it pop up, but I also loved the implementation of it. I liked downloading the music that was being illegally shared right before reporting all of it uh all that stuff like i just like that as a mechanic i think that's great yeah i uh it almost like early on gave me this feeling like it was going to be like a papers please kind of situation where like what i chose to report and what i didn't Mm -hmm. would matter and like it would affect my reputation (laughs) in some way that doesn't end up happening but like early on i was like ah like does like this picture of this cartoon fish really count as like copyright infringement? <laughs> like I <laughs> was really hesitant to give out those first few uh, violations, but no, I fully agree. And like I like all my homies hate Zane. Zane sucks, and I do want to punch him in the teeth. But uh, it sucks that he dies. But if we're gonna take down his. Uh, like bullying big rant about how Corey sucks. We do also morally have to remove right, yeah. Corey's Zane sucks banners and stuff. But I think like, I, I did, was processing. All I this. think I did that first. Oh, you took down Corey's yeah, stuff I, first? I think I found that stuff first. I'm like, well, this is also harassment. So bam, bam hit it with the hammer. <laughs> uh, but um, to your other point, um, like taking advantage of the stuff before you report it also feels very like, of the time where like I bet this kind of stuff happened or they had to employ people to like do like IT work uh because they didn't understand the computer and then the IT people were able to like go behind their backs and do shit that they would never find out about oh yeah like that yeah and I love that like uh at some point in the game like you end up with uh when you get into mix right there's a character named Connie who runs a website called Connie's Connections and it's just like a directory essentially like a list of shit that's on Hypnospace that she thinks it's worth to point out mm-hmm. um but it, like her like demeanor and your expectations be it from like a gender bias or just uh the way that the website is sort of like it's like a it feels like almost like an an online retailer sort of like aesthetic to it uh, belies just how like tech savvy she is and she just kind of casually enters the hacker group like proving <laughs> that they're not really that omnipotent right uh and it's like oh hey by the way this this and that and i know dylan's here so like can you please fix the net settler code and shit like i love that like i love the way that the characters are done and the fact that yeah this definitely did happen like people would just you know fuck around <laughs> with a network because they could uh, it was the wild west baby it really was oh and i do want to say um because i would have thought the exact same thing as you but i did look it up later if you continue to report zane and tiffany and Corey and all those people you can get them banned oh wow and if they are banned they don't die oh yeah, so you can save people if they, as long as you can keep reporting their uh, their uh, page IDs. I didn't do that, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't report a single page after the first act. Oh, really? Yeah, like because there was like to me, it just seemed like there was never a reason to. Uh, I don't think I did either. Actually, now that I think about it, 
Yeah, it's just kind of rare. I think it was with the harassment, like was the only time I reported people. Yeah, I I reported the school the school teacher for the fucking Drooper oh. pictures. Yeah, I just didn't. Think it just about seemed it. like the right thing, mm. like for the game's purpose. Right. Yeah, I just didn't think about it most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely I. <laughs> I was put in a position where I was role-playing a lot more authoritarian than I probably would have because I was trying to sort of, like, figure out what the game wanted me to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it ended up working. Like, to me, like, I think it, it panned out how I wanted it to. So. Right. Do we have enforcer thoughts? Uh, my enforcer thoughts are, uh, even though... This game got a little tedious for me, and I didn't quite gel with it. Uh, this is the kind of game that I do the podcast for. Mm-hmm. Um, this is unlike anything else I've played. Like we made a couple comparisons, but they're pretty loose. Uh, but yeah, it's there's nothing like it. It's this almost feels like a budding genre of like desktop simulation that. I think it's really interesting and I would like to see more stuff like it because I feel like it's something that I could get more used to and get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I said, like it, it, it almost does feel like baby's first ARG, which is something I'd like to like give another crack and see if I can make it through without having to look stuff up this time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, I find it really intriguing and really cool. And I'm almost a little disappointed in myself for not like uh, being able to quite get into it the way I would have wanted uh, but yeah, it, it's great and a very impressive. Um, as I mentioned with, I said with Simulacra, I think one of our biggest uh, complaints was that it didn't quite feel like a fully realized version of its concept. And I think this pretty much nails it mm-hmm. right out of the bat. So I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I would just like to see more. Um, I guess that's all I got to say. Yeah. I think if you are on the fence about this game, um, either in thinking about how you feel about it or if you were like going to get it and play it or not, um, I would probably consider Andy's thoughts more than what I'm going to say. <laughs> uh, I think that if you are like me, or potentially even more specifically, if just you are me, this game should be a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's weird because like, when I heard the game and I saw bits of the game, I it didn't jump out at me the way that I thought it would. Yeah, yeah I think it jumped out at me because I thought it seemed like something you would like a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I looked at it and was like, I don't know, it looks like it's trying too hard. <laughs> Uh, but I started playing it and Jesus Christ, like, I don't think uh, there was a point where I wanted to take a break from the game. And so I did for about eight minutes and then I just got back on and kept playing. Like I played this for about eight hours and it was like eight hours with a 10 minute, like me sitting in a different room, briefly break in there. Uh, to, to me, this game is like, very cool, very... Like, I don't think it's, like, one of the best games I've ever played or anything. Like, I won't make that claim. It's just... It knows exactly what it wants to do. And it does that thing so incredibly thoroughly that it's really hard for me to, like, dock points from it for just about anything. Like, the amount of content that was generated for this game. Like, music and art and jokes and fucking puzzles... And all of this text, like, this this script is so long compared to uh, games of a similar length mm-hmm. that I'm just so impressed by the scope of it that I, I can't, like, blame other things for being unenjoyable because it just seems like a Herculean task. Yeah, like, it, it could have seemed like a puzzle, but it really does feel like an ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you went for a pun on, like, puddle puzzle there. Oh, no. Or if you just misspoke, but it was good. I liked it. <laughs> no, that was just the best metaphor I could come up with. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, no, it was. I enjoyed this a lot. Um, there were some things I think could have been more intuitive, but at the same time, I know that if I had just dedicated myself even further to reading every line of text in the game, 
I would have eventually figured stuff out. So I appreciate that as well. So thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Nanotail Typing Chronicles. Uh, this is the follow-up to Epistory, uh, a game that at least I was a pretty big fan of. I liked it. I liked it, too. I liked it, too. Uh, <laughs> that we covered, like, several years ago, like two two or three years ago. It's three. been a while. Probably three, maybe two. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Uh, that is sort of... It, it is a typing game with a narrative element, like an RPG element. Yeah, it's it. not an educational game. It's right. not like jumpstart typing. <laughs> it's just like a kind of isometric uh, adventure kind of game, like a Zelda-ish kind of thing, but you control it with typing. Yeah. You would need to, if you wanted to use this to get better at typing, I would recommend playing jumpstart typing <laughs> It, it, it has that element where, like, I think it's trying to increase your typing speed, mm-hmm. like your words per minute. So if you're looking to do that, yeah, you could use you this. play this, yeah, yeah, in a similar way to that you could, I don't know, play a video game if you really wanted to increase thumb dexterity. This, it, a side benefit of this game is that you will become a yeah. faster typer. Yeah, I mean, it tracks your words per minute. Yeah, it's good shit. Yeah, uh, and. <laughs> Until that time, if you want to get a hold of us, all of our contact information is on our website at NoClipPodcast.com. There you can find links to our Twitter, our email, our Discord, where you can come talk to us about the game. And you can find all of our old episodes, uh, including ones on Simulacra. Uh, You can check out our previous catalog of Mystery May games this year we've covered and are going to cover uh grim fandango heavy rain and telling lies um pretty much all of which i've mentioned yeah i mean other things like this i would compare it to like device six simulacra stuff like that for sure yeah device six actually has its device six is like the totally different but thematically counterpart game to this Mm mm-hmm I could see they, them being set in the same universe, just it's, like 30 years yeah, apart. It's set in like a specific kind of time period, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Report that like button. <laughs> <laughs> Pay us 50 HypnoCoin. Oh, God, what was the chat app? Chit Chat. Yeah, message us on Chit Chat. We, we have nine fr- pals on Chit Chat. Yeah. <laughs> Visit our HypnoSpace page. <laughs> Anyway, a lot of people don't know, this is still game theory, by the way, Uh that Pope Francis was the character from Ghosts and Goblins.